This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Look, before we start this episode of the James McMahon Music Podcast, I need to tell you something. I need your help. I need you, when you finish with the episode, to go to the platform you've listened to this podcast on and give me a rating, a review, and to subscribe too. It helps me cheat the algorithm and get more ears on the podcast. And know this, I'm very grateful for it. Also, I have a substack where I write about music and film and telly and all sorts of stuff. I love it if you sign up for dispatches. There are different price options, five quid a month, 50 quid a year, and for that, you get access to loads of exclusive writing and podcasts. It's the most helpful thing you can do to support the stuff I make. And again, I'd be so grateful. That's spook.substack.com. That's spook with three O's. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank Jesus. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Oh, shit. You're listening to the James McMahon Music Podcast. And I'm your host, James McMahon. And this. It's a spook media production. James Buddy Nielsen, Senses Fall, are one of the most interesting bands in post-hardcore today. Now eight albums in, their newest, Hell Is In Your Head, which is released on July 15th, is an excellent collection of songs that deal with the singer's existential fear of death, which is a subject that I have some experience of. As I talk about on this podcast often, I have obsessive compulsive disorder, and the origins of my illness concerned a near debilitating terror whenever thoughts of demise or oblivion entered my mind. It's a meandering conversation in places, but I do hope you enjoy it. Even if at one point in the conversation, it sounds like Buddy was putting together some flat pack furniture while we talked. There's a little more existential than Ikea after all. When Sartre said that hell is other people, what I really think he was referring to was wardrobes. Yeah, I'm going to be dead honest. I'm not on the uh, the tippest, toppest of form today. I, uh, I have COVID for the second time, so... Uh... Cool. That's, yeah, better, <laughs> better late than never. Oh, it's yeah. your second time. Yeah, it's, oh, not, it's okay. It's not so bad the second time around. But, no, uh, no, it's not a big deal. I've had it. I've had it three times. I don't know, twice. The second time I did, I couldn't even test positive. Honestly, I, I didn't. It's kind of like just a normal head cold the second time. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of different variants for a long time, though, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, it's. I'm not very. Um, I don't know. This might be something we kind of get into actually. But I, uh, yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm quite. I, I think I'm quite a kind of a quite a stoic human being. But like, if I get hit with any kind of cold flu, it's literally like the end of the world. Like, I'm not very good at kind of you know t- toughing it out. Really, 
Um, yeah. This might be quite a good place to start. Like, one of the things, I, I mean, I, I really like Census Fail. I mean, that kind of goes without saying. Um, but Thanks. I, uh, I was really intrigued about the new record because I am someone who has had big periods of my life where I have been utterly obsessed to, to the point of absolute, like, uh, 24-7 rumination about the idea of death. And mm. the fact that you had explored themes within that, in this record, I thought was uh, was right up my street. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, I mean, it's kind of something that I've, I've always kind of um, been at the forefront of my mind, you know? Um, uh, it just seems to be, I mean, I think it's kind of, a, it's a kind of on the tip of everybody's mind. You know, I mean, we're naturally like wired for survival. So the obvious opposite of survival is death. So um, some of us just have better ways of navigating, ignoring that, you know, versus that being like a point of operating from. Um, And I guess over my life, I've come to use it as a motivational also like acceptable place to be okay with um ruminating i mean it, the thing was i guess the, my my idea was always that like if i could be okay with dying then then really like ultimately like there's nothing to worry about um that that's kind of always been like a, a theory of mine but also just something that no i want to say like i work towards cuz it's not something i i, I wish i didn't I wish I didn't think in that way. I wish I could focus solely on, I don't want to say it's negative because it's not, it's sort of a natural part of life. Um, I mean, you, you were saying, I, I, I read that a lot of this came about when uh, you, you and your wife had your child, but you were just saying that it kind of always been there. Like how early in your life are we talking? Mm, I mean, I, 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 I guess the early I definitely had like 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 anxiety and and sort of like uh, panic attacks around the age of like five or six, and I think that that kind of like created the the groundwork for me to like have more of a survival based instinct. Uh, but I, I I guess I want to say like I think the first time I really truly remember like contemplating that was around like ten. I think I had like a, a, a family friend. It was like the first person I know who, the first actual death, you know. Um, I think that that sparked uh, just sort of a realization. That, you know, I, I wasn't able to just be like, oh, yeah, that happens and move on. It was like, whoa, like, you know, what does that really, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, how linked to this is... Uh... Like, is is this kind of woven into, like, bigger questions about existence and... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've, I've fully, like, I've, uh, you know, I've, um, I mean, you know, to, to uh, not in, you know, not, uh, not, like, I'm not going on retreats. I mean, I've gone on a couple, of, like, silent retreats meditation-wise. I mean, it could, sort of led me into, like, deep exploration of, of just different specifically buddhism was like the mode of which i i sort of tried to understand like 
I guess for the lack of better term, the nature of mind, which is pretty much a Buddhist concept. But I, I looked pretty deeply into sort of like the nature of reality and the nature of existence and, and, you know, what, what it means to even really fully understand uh, our own existence and, and the, what, the, what that, what that even entails, you know, cause I think when you start contemplating death, I mean, you have to contemplate like what it means to, you know, to truly exist and, and the nature of reality. So yeah, also, you know, in uh, physics and ideas of like, you know, I mean, very minimal physics, because I obviously don't understand very big ideas of theoretical physics, but just, you know, what the always, I'm always pretty aware of what the current theories of held beliefs of like quantum and uh, theoretical physics is, um, you know, and uh, I don't know, I'm always kind of looking for some type of like answers to, you know, what, what I don't meaning is 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 doesn't really cut it for me because i think meaning is given to whatever we do but i mean i don't think that there's necessarily a meaning to life but i also don't think that there's um a real way in which we truly understand uh our current reality is only a fraction of what i think is is reality of what we of what the true reality is and i don't mean that there's some other like parallel universes or things like that but i just mean like our own interest in our existence is limited and the truth is that we're much more connected and bigger than that so uh, that's really kind of what i'm exploring on this record you know or what i've gotten to after exploring this record and some other things that have happened uh but yeah you know i mean those are the things that i think about and i tend to write about them but i have to do so in a framework that doesn't seem so like un, un not everybody thinks like this so it's not something you can just sort of like write songs about you know and that's not necessarily the most relatable way to discuss this type of stuff i mean it's not a million miles away from a lot of, a lot of stuff i believe i i mean if i'm being if i'm being totally honest with like my stuff like i got i was the same age i was a, i was a kid and uh you know i've since learned that i have OCD and a lot of my kind of rumination kind of comes from that, like the sort of looped thinking. And uh, like when I was a, when I was nineteen, you know, sort of just just becoming an adult, like death became this like I don't know, it terrified me, but it became this like puzzle that I kind of felt like I needed to solve. And like I started, uh, I started like kind of reading loads of like existentialism, not being particularly yeah. Like, not being particularly like fun, at, you know, parties, you know, but no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, I did the same thing. Similar, similar. I think it's part of it. I mean, existentialism, I think is like a cornerstone of Western thought, you know, um, what, what I will say though, is I, I sort of got myself to, uh, well, I guess sort of two things changed for me. One of them was that I, uh, had a few things happened in my life where I was like physically, and mentally in like so much pain that for the first time ever I actually thought I can understand why someone wouldn't want to live forever. Or like Yeah, so- I've definitely had that experience too where I've been like super sick. I've been like, oh, like maybe it's not maybe like when it's time to die, it's not so bad because it's you know, that you like there there's like there's some sort of natural process to it that like being around it 
and like for my own mother's death, you know, was like really helpful because it didn't feel like this fearful thing. I mean, it still sucked. It was still shitty, and but it didn't. I don't know. There's just there's some sort of pro- natural process to it that is part of being alive. Just like you know, I think I'm trying to think of who it was. I think it was someone like um someone that it was a uh, Roger Ebert. All right, you know, someone someone total random, but he had cancer, and they you know they had asked him like, is he afraid? You know, was he afraid to die? And his he said no because he wasn't afraid before he was born. And I thought that was like the best way to ever like frame death was like not giving some type of answer as to what it is, but like just the idea that like before you were born, you were fine. You know, you weren't afraid. You weren't in pain. You weren't, you know, struggling. You weren't anything. Yeah. Just like, you know, and just like after you die, you are, you return to that same state. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was really interesting. I mean, it really is. I, I'm not totally sure whether I buy it, though, actually, because I guess it's that thing of, you know, for me, the sort of terror was like the idea of of, of just not existing. So the idea... Yeah, of- non-existence, yeah. I think what happened for me was exploring, like, what even existence is and realizing that, like, the version of you that you think you are doesn't really necessarily exist because it's all conditional yeah, based yeah, upon yeah. a bunch of sets of conditions that coalesce and at any point in time there's no really fixed central point of who you are like that not only like caused me a great deal of anxiety and panic (laughs) but over the course of time i sort of became okay with that because then it also made it that i didn't need to really worry so much of course when you're a human like your reference point is you like you're not going to just like be able to be alive and exist in a body and like not have this frame of reference point of you um but that doesn't necessarily mean like you exist as this like definable and i'm not even talking about soul like i'm talking about like just you as a person and who you are is solely defined about like relative circumstances i mean much like relativity it's like it's like you know like it's all relative to your space and time like not only like physically but mentally emotionally like there's no you know other definition of that so um once i started to really not realize that i didn't necessarily have control all i could do is respond to the way in which like this is all happening I, i i found that i had much more control because i wasn't trying to control something that I couldn't control, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I mean, just sort of going back to when I was talking about OCD, like that's the whole treatment for OCD is to like accept that you don't really have very much control over anything. So many things, yeah. Yeah. It, well, yeah, so many things. Embracing uncertainty is, is probably a better way of putting it. I, I, th- I think, though, there's something about... It was just interesting hearing you sort of monologue then and kind of thinking a little bit about when I'd been lost in this sort of stuff. And I I guess the thing that sort of replaced my fear of death was that, like, the fear of never being able to die sort of replaced the, the fear of actually dying. But also, I think there comes a point where, 
Um, you know, I'm super interested in existence and consciousness and things like that. But you sort of get to a point where you're just a bit like, you can think and you can think and you can think, and it's almost like your mind either breaks at some point or you go, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm going to go listen to the Ramones. And I think that, like, yeah. I think, like, it, almost like trying to sort of understand it is almost like trying to control it still, if that makes sense. Totally, yeah. There just has to be some level of, like, uh, acceptance and surrender to the fact that you're never, like, there's so many things, like, you're not going to be able to answer the questions and that you just have to, at some point, let go and you have to ask the question, like, there's this sort of, this once. The teacher, he's a British guy. He's a British Buddhist teacher. Um, and uh, he, 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 this is from like Sun. It's a Zen, it's a Korean Zen kind of uh, take on it. But the, the his main practice is to just ask, what is this? And, and it's sort of, you know, uh, not having to do with anything Buddhist, but just seriously asking the question, like at all times, you know, what is this? It's an unanswerable question. The whole point is that you can't answer it. The whole point is that it 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 changes your 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 mentality from a one of trying to identify what any of this is and just sort of just looking at it as th- this unanswerable question. And that that's a much more fluid, correct way or, or holistic way to look at life because it's not answerable. Like you can't actually define what any of this is in any moment because it's such a crazy confluence of cause and effect and like interactions that to just say it's one thing is to completely miss the point. So I think that that's exactly true. I think ultimately you kind of have to go through a lot though, to get to that acceptance, because I just don't think that that's like the way that humans work. So you kind of have to like go through all this stuff to come out the other side to just sort of throw your hands up and then, you know, go, what is this? And not be able to answer it. Anyone who's coming to this podcast for, for jokes on this episode might be, uh, might be struggling, <laughs> at this, struggling at this point. How did you arrive at Buddhism? I just sort of, the, the whole like idea that life is unsatisfactory, <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, the four noble truths that there's suffering, that, you know, pretty much the idea that, that, Identifying that I think there is suffering was something that I, I thought spoke to me as like, wow, like you have all these different religions and different, you know, same thing with existentialism. I think it's it's sort of a similar exploration of like, you know, how, how the fuck do you explain all this? I mean, existentialism kind of grew out of World War One, basically being like, you know, what the fuck was that? And why did that happen? And how is that possible? And then what are we, how are we ever supposed to look at the world in, in a meaningful way? Um, uh, Buddhism spoke to me just because it kind of labeled, you know, wasn't like Christianity, which is sort of like puts the onus more on like, you know, you are a, a sinner and you need to come to God to be saved. That didn't really like, I didn't, it didn't ever really speak to me. Um, but the idea that there was suffering and that there can be an end to suffering, I think really spoke to me because that was like, ultimately I was like, yeah, that's, that's true. And that's what I want. <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess the sort of other question is, is there's some big kind of themes going on here. Like, is the kind of music that you kind of make, uh, is, it the, is it the right vessel to convey those kind of ideas? Or 
does kind of like melodic punk rock. Probably not. You know, I mean, I think I think in another iteration, I probably would have been more of like a a, a, a speaker or a writer or a you know or um. But I don't know. It just sort of it just sort of wound up that this is the mode in which that I'm to like discuss these things and yeah, you know, I, I, um, I just kind of like, it just, just happened. I mean, probably not. There's probably much better places to talk about this, especially and like have it be more of like, a, I don't know, useful dialogue. But again, like, I think it's also like someone's, you know, got to adapt different styles of thinking and present them to different sections of the world so that maybe people, I don't know, have a glimpse at some type of, I mean, for me, I used to be so afraid of dying and so afraid of death that if I can like get to this place where I'm able to like be at my mom's like death and be like, okay with it. And actually like have like a level of like growth from the experience, then, then I think, that that's probably what the most useful takeaway from all of it is, is that there, there can be some transformation from feeling like completely debilitated by it to actually like being able to be, uh, I don't know, present for it. And then it actually being like a motivational factor for like being able to live your life meaningfully. So that's how I adapt it. Cause it's like all this stuff aside, like, I guess at the end of the day, the, that's what I guess I'm trying to convey and what would be most like universally useful to people. I think there's also just that thing as well where like, I mean, now that I'm, you know, now that I'm well into adulthood, like, you know, I read a lot of books and listen to a lot of podcasts and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, in the beginning of it all, like there was nothing that mattered to me other than music. So actually a lot of foundational ideas that I had about the world came from well, you know, particularly within punk rock, really, rather than uh, thesis and yeah, exactly, exactly, because it's like you know, like it's just a different way to encounter it, and yeah, I mean, I think originally a lot of the people too, like, it spoke in the mediums of what would be considered not to be like I don't know your standard like academic, you know, it's not like the the Buddha wasn't like having these discussions in a fucking university. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and generally most people most people aren't having these discussions at universities. And if they are, they're usually traditionally very like, I don't know, more theoretical in the physics world than they are like having any type of real like um I mean what is this called? This would be trying to think of a real like epistemology or whatever, you know, just like not pseudoscience, but a lot of this is considered not like academic anyways i mean to be honest been some time since i was in a, in a university but from what i can kind of gather about what's going on in universities i'm not sure it's really a place for uh, free thought and expression at the moment yeah it kind of seems a little weird yeah it does it seems to be you know kind of an odd um odd moment in time for everything you know so yeah no, that's absolutely. true even you know, this record was also written before all of that too so it doesn't really even necessarily reflect the pandemic or even dealing with my mom's death so kind of interesting it kind of set the stage for being able to like i don't know have those kind of experiences so the record's out july 15th when yeah 
Uh, when do you take these songs out, or is that happening already? July 15th. Uh, we actually start our tour with uh, we're supporting Rise Against and the Used. That's a good bill, you know. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, we got a bunch of touring. We'll be over in uh, Europe and the UK with Silverstein and Comeback Kid um, later in the year. And, yeah, we got a bunch of stuff planned. So we've got a couple of big festivals we're doing in the States and then coming back to the UK and Europe. Um, yeah, so we're kind of getting ready to do the whole thing. Exciting. Well, I'll be I'll be the one in the uh, up, well, not the front row, but I'll, I'll be the one. Yeah. I'll be the one somewhere near the near the bar, kind of with a in the back. Yeah. See, I, the... yeah, I went and saw Slipknot recently, and I was like, I was by the soundboard. That's probably where you'll find most people. That's I think the most appropriate place to stand is not only because it's it's where it's going to sound the best. Yeah. I mean, it is literally the sweet spot, isn't it? It's a sweet spot, and that's where the guy who is paid to make it sound good. That's where he stands. Which is, you know, that's where you'd want to stand too, because that's going to be where it sounds the most, potentially the best it could. You know, for all this talk of uh, death and existence and quantum physics, I think that's the most universal truth we've arrived at in this conversation. Yeah, stand by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a fact. That could actually be uh, now, you know, a constant or some type of thing. Like you're, you're, you're pretty much, if you could put yourself near the soundboard, um, for the most part, it, you're you're going to be in one of the best places in the venue. <laughs> well, that was episode 54. Thanks to Buddy for the chat. Thanks to Harris Alley for facilitating. The theme tune is by the band Jobbers. And I'll see you as soon. Oh, great. Oh, boy. What's wrong, Rick? Is it the quantum carburetor or something? Quantum carburetor? Jesus, Morty, you can't just add a sci-fi word to a car word and hope it means something. Huh. Looks like something's wrong with the microverse battery. We're gonna have to go inside.